Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today you are tuning in to Spell It Out, Magic, Reflections, and Shadows, where I take a topic and run with it. This will be my last Spell It Out for this year. And for the year, I've been focused on divination and its tools. So today I thought I would talk a little bit about a specific question I often get as a tarot card reader, do you just read the cards? But before we get started, Michael has a few announcements. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our show. I'm sorry we have to record this one, but our internet has become very unstable, so we can't stream live. And the um, tech is coming out tomorrow, so hopefully he'll get that all sorted out and we can get back to live streaming next week. Um, but we will be premiering it at one, and we will be on live chat. So if you're listening to this during the premiere and you want to reach out to us, we're here and we can comment with you. Um, we have some great shows coming up in November. Still this month, we have Angela Zine next week, and she's going to talk about psychic animal communication. So for all you animal lovers, that's an awesome show. And she's a wonderful person. We have Dan Moore coming back to talk about the Holy Guardian Angel. We have uh, Dr. George Schwimmer, Krista's dad. He's going to do another show on spirit attachments. And that's honestly, of all of our three years, that's one of my favorite episodes. So if you guys haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. Um, get all the information on our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-I-X-T-H, all spelled out. And while you're there, if you can afford to, buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. It helps us to cover our costs, and we appreciate it. Um, and if you're out and about, listen to us on, as a podcast. Check us out. Just search Six Sense Society on Spotify or iTunes or any of your podcast servers, and we are very easy to find. And, uh, and if you have any comments or suggestions for shows, drop us a line. We're happy to hear from you guys. So with that, I'm not going to take up any more of your time, so I'm going to hand it back to Krista. So take it away, Krista. Great. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the shows in November. Uh, so before we get started, I thought I'd maybe tap into just a little bit of astrology. Um, just mentioning, first of all, we have a new moon coming up on November 4th in Scorpio. We are in Scorpio season, which is, of course, for the occult people, a very interesting time of year. And there will be also some planets joining uh, the, the sun in Scorpio Um and it's going to be Mars and Mercury. So I would take a look at that um, if you're interested and look at the exact dates. Uh, I just wanted to mention it in passing because Mars, it, it's, it takes about a little less than two years for Mars to change signs. It's not as like frequent as like Venus and Mercury. Uh, and then I wanted to mention uh, a little bit about Saturn. Saturn has been talked a lot about in uh, astrology on sort of YouTube and some of the popular astrologers because of its square with Uranus. And I personally have been working with Saturn myself because it's going through my 12th house. And I thought that would be a, an interesting time to really go a little deeper 
into Saturn. And so one of my, I wanted to share some of my process uh, with studying uh, my own transits. I like to, you know, look for authors that I really like. And, and even though I like to listen to YouTube, I really prefer reading, it seems like, with astrology. So one of my favorite authors is Erin Sullivan, and she hasn't produced a lot of writing, but I like to reread her books. And she has a book called Saturn in Transit. And I got it from my Kindle. There's my Kindle, uh, which is I do like because you can highlight things. And I was really I wanted to share this quickly, this introduction, because it kind of blew me away. Um, this is why I like her. She's such an interesting writer. So in the very, very beginning, she says uh, to be ridden by an archetype is never easy, pleasant or relaxing. It is not one what one would call a good time. It is what one might call an interesting time, a time filled with stark realizations and ultimatums of coming up against the wall and challenging wavering beliefs, of testing and pushing and in the end, living at the limit. I think it was Adler who said that one should never spend more than an hour a day with an archetype. Now I know why. Wow. So, I mean, that one really, it, it, it really blew my mind on some level because I, I think sometimes people um, embody the archetypes too much. And as a reader, you do have to be careful with that. You are the archetype of the oracle, the seer, the high priestess, and, and you want to not just embody that because you are a human being. So that alone is worth reading in the book. So I've just gotten into it. I highly recommend it. Uh, she gives, uh, so far what I've learned is she talks again about the myth of Saturn, the Greek myth, and then she goes into basically Saturn through time in your in, in sort of a very logical way from the very birth through not just the first Saturn return, but the second Saturn return and some of the themes that play out. So one of the things that I'm doing also is part of what I tend to do since I've, uh, you know, this is my second time that Saturn has gone through my 12th house is I'm going to go back in my journals and look and see what I was thinking and what were the themes. I do know some of them because you can build on those ideas because Saturn is definitely a, a, a timing planet. And it's interesting to go back if you live long enough to sort of look at what happened at the same time, you know, about 28 and a half years ago. So I just wanted to mention that because I really uh, enjoy Aaron Sullivan, and I think it's a good way to go a little deeper into your own chart. But today's show, uh, I this year, those of you who've been following me on Spell It Out, I've been focusing on divination and some of the tools used in divination. I've discussed scrying, bibliomancy, bird augury, clairvoyance, intuition, arach arachnomancy, palmistry, medicine cards, and divining with numbers. So these are obviously just a few ways that people divine, and they're all ways I've either tried or I'm really fascinated with, or even used, since I also do palmistry. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, rather than just talk about tarot cards overall, uh, is I wanted to talk about a question I often am asked as a professional reader. And it is, do you just read the cards? Now, first of all, make sure when someone asks you that question that you know what they're asking, because there's actually two things people are asking. And I found that out by chance. One is they just want to know if you do other things. Like, do you do healing? Do you have products? Fine. You know, that's fine. But the one that, that jars me and that I found a little insulting at first was when people meant, 
are you psychic too? Do you only read the cards? Is that the only thing you can do? Are you intuitive, clairvoyant? And they would often say it that way if I ask, what what do you mean? So it, it used to rub me wrong a little bit. And then I realized it was a really good chance to educate people about what tarot can do. And that's what I have been doing. And most of the time, most people relax. I'd first of all, I'd ask them, you know, like, well, what are you looking for in a reading? You know, what is it that you're, you're hoping for? And they'd say, well, you know, I want to look for, you know, relationships and love. And I'd tell them if I can and cannot do it. Um, and I would also educate them on, you know, the lineage of the tarot, which in my mind, the tarot really does have a lineage at this point. It, there's more than one school, by the way, and I've even heard it called by some tarot writers, the French school, the English school, depending on where you draw your information and what kind of deck you use. Uh, and I think that is an interesting concept too. But what I, what I find is that a lot of people um, don't really use the tarot when they do a reading. And I'll talk to you why I think that. But it is a great opportunity. Once I relaxed and, and started thinking like, you know, it's, it's okay that I just read the cards. It's, in fact, I'm proud that I can actually read these amazing complex patterns that I combine now with Kabbalah. I, I am proud that I have learned to decipher things because that's how I see myself as a, a translator, you know, as someone trying to look at patterns and get the right words for it. So the fact that I have some psychic moments, which I do, they're, they're kind of a, a byproduct for me. And, and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about is that, you know, it's not a handicap if you use cards. There's this idea by some readers, which I've actually overheard, I heard one reader say, well, I don't need the cards anymore. And I said, well, bully for you. You know, it's, it's not, that's not why I use the cards. I use the cards because they're brilliant and they are a tool that, that is vast and can give me information that actually sounds quite psychic if you ask me. So I, I think that, that this dismissive uh, idea about the cards, I've even heard astrologers do it. It's because um, not everybody uses the tarot as a deep, complex tool when they do a reading. Now, I will say um, there is no one way to read the cards. I will say that's fair. And I have seen some interesting results. My, I've personally gone to um, one woman. She was this uh, a black woman who lived in the outskirts of Woodstock, New York, had a great reputation as a reader. And she did say some really out there things in general about me, but very inexpensive. I was in my 30s, so I went to see her and get a reading. And she had a deck of cards, I remember, and she just kind of threw all these cards on the table as she talked, kind of stream of conscious almost. But what was interesting about her, so I think she was using it as either free association which is legitimate because that's used for dream interpretation or as a um, sounding board for her own ability. So, you know, it's sort of a way to put yourself into a light trance, hypnotic trance. And I have seen people use that and access information. And she was one of the only psychics that gave me two pieces of very practical um, predictions that even at the time I didn't understand them, but came true. One was kind of funny. One was I was working in a bookstore and she said, she said, you know, stay away from this redhead 
girl, she's young woman or young, I think she said young woman, uh, she's going to cause you a lot of trouble. And I remember thinking like, well, no one's there that's red haired, you know, and, and it's just me and the, uh, the owner there. And sure enough, the owner hired this um, young woman with short red hair. But even then I thought, nah, you know, nothing's going to happen. And it turns out she had some beef with me and she was instrumental in getting me fired. <laughs> and, and then the owner and I worked it all out later, but she really was trouble. And I was thinking, wow, I should have listened to the psychic, <laughs> you know, so she she did that, you know, kind of free association. Um, I think that uh, what what a lot of people do uh, that I don't think is very good is they'll take, you know, from the modern books, they'll they'll memorize these specific definitions and they use the same definitions no matter what the position, no matter what the patterns around it. And it just won't hold up over time, you know. So I, I think um, that's not really going to work if you do thousands of readings like my husband and I do. And of course, we're big believers in combining the Kabbalah with the tarot now. And we think that that's really the best method for doing readings based on our own experiences. But I, I don't want to say that, you know, our way is right and um, other ways are wrong. But I think that you know, I don't know that people are utilizing the tarot. Now, another thing I came across through a book, and I didn't necessarily, I haven't had a reading, but I was very impressed by Yov Ben um, Dove. He he wrote the Marseille, the Marseille Tarot Revealed, and he also did a beautiful um, sort of revisioning of the Marseille deck, and he did a lot of research to do it, so it wasn't just sort of sort of made up. And he has this system in the book that is based completely on the symbolism of the cards, very deep symbolism, looking at the numbers, looking at the colors, looking at how the figures are looking and facing each other. It's a very complex system, but uh, he gave an example or two, and I thought, wow, that could really work because he's utilizing the imagery. So he's not using Kabbalah, but he's, util he's utilizing this beautiful imagery in a very symbolic way. And I thought that would be, it would be a little bit difficult to do at first because there's so much imagery, right? But the way he did it, it, it was very grounded in his examples. And I thought that's a fair way to try to use the tarot in terms of giving people readings, whether it's advice or prediction, however you want to do it. So, um, but the main thing I, I would say is that, you know, based on, you know, my experience is that the tarot deserves a little bit more attention for its lineage and its history, however you want to approach it. And I think that by accessing um, the knowledge and the information that's been given over hundreds of years, you just have more to work with. And so I think you can also really rely on it for information if you're tired and you have a headache or you're just not feeling well. There's something about you can lean into the tarot. So that's that's mainly wanted, what I wanted to mention about, you know, when people ask you, well, do you just read the tarot? Uh, and, and again, this is not a put down to psychics. I have gone to psychics. I, I have some respect for some of the psychics I personally went to that were very, very good and very spiritual people. Um, but I didn't always get uh, the results I wanted with the predictive side of it. So I, I have found people that use tools in general seem a little bit stronger in the predictive area, especially in the future. Um, and that 
I wanted to emphasize that you can learn uh, the tarot, particularly if you study with Kabbalah and you don't have to be psychic. But I do think you probably will develop some form of psychicism because that's the nature of the tarot. It, it, it helps you to develop whatever your strengths are going to be, whether you see pictures or feel things or, you know, suddenly certain stories come in your head and you think it's just a story, but it's relevant to the person. That happens to me and Michael a lot. So that's um, what can happen for you. And now I, I'm very proud to say, yes, I just read the cards. <laughs> so anyway, um, I also wanted to, I've been kind of skipping this part a little bit and, and it's not so much because I don't want to share spells and information. It's more like I get into my topic and get very excited about it. And uh, so this time I wanted to talk a little bit about some spells that might be good for this time of year. Uh, so for me, you know, we just passed uh, Halloween, you know, this is our, it was our new year and I'm in the Northern Hemisphere, so the light is waning. And so I do like to split up the year into sort of the light time of the year and the dark time of the year, um, just roughly speaking, and see if I can work with those energies. And so for me, if possible, which is not always easy, particularly during holiday season, is I try to slow down more. And I try to pull my energy in, uh, socializing maybe in more intimate ways. So I don't think you should not socialize. And, and certainly it's fine to go to parties. Uh, but the idea that you spend more time with your inner world. And uh, so for me, uh, also, as things are sort of going into the dark, this time of year is more to me the time of year of the Morgan. And uh, so that it's because I... She is one of my main deities, and so I want to do some things to honor her. And so some of that might just be doing a ritual for her. But you could say the Morgan would be really helpful for any kind of protection spells or if you feel like there is negative energy coming at you. Uh, if you actually have a court case and it's you want justice, the Morgan's definitely a good uh, goddess for that. But two, um, now these are two spells I haven't used, but because I'm a Cancer and I do like the kitchen witch idea, I've been looking for very simple spells that are connected to your, your refrigerator or your cupboard. And I love that idea. And I found uh, these two spells, protection spells, in the Element Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells by Gutica Ilks, I think, um, or Ills. I can't remember if I put that down right, but it's um, she's got great books, uh, and I, I think I totally recommend them. It's a little overwhelming, but everything I've looked at, she's it's really fun. It's a really fun book. So the first one, I it's funny. I was thinking recently that I wanted to, you know, eat more parsley, and evidently, if you put a piece of parsley on your plate, it keeps your food free of any low-level spirits that are attempting to sneak inside of you via food. So I thought, wow, I like that. So all those little parsley garnishes are actually protecting you. And also, obviously, parsley is really very good for you, anything green like that. So that's the first one. So you can add that to your plates. Um, and this one I really like, too. So I'm a big bath person. I love any kind of bath rituals and um, it's, it's, I don't probably do enough, but I, I, I went through a period in Woodstock where I used to take two baths a day in term in rituals just to kind of work in the water. And I, it, it's very effective for me. Uh, I know we're in a drought, so in California, so maybe you want to like be, you know, sensible about it, but 
I don't use a lot of water anyway with car washing and um, all of that. So I feel I can take a bath now and then. Anyway, um, so this one involves limes. And limes, evidently, they possess intensive, protective, hex-breaking, and cleansing facilities. So you put some salt in the bath, and you can put it a lot of salt, or if you if you have some sea salt that you can use that you feel is not polluted, you can use that. And you put 21 slices of limes into your bath. And you know, 21 is the world card, which is Saturn. I like that. And and anyway, so you enter the bath and you rub yourself with each slice, and then you get rid of each of them in turn. And I'm not sure, you know. I, I suppose you can just throw them out. Maybe you can have a little bag there if you want to like put in a little garbage, you know, but I, I suppose you just kind of throw it in the trash. It doesn't really say. So those are two protective spells that are very easy to do. They're fun. You know, they're, you know, obviously a lot of people have these items in their refrigerator. And let me know if any of you try it. I'm going to do both of them, especially the lime one. And I'll let you know what happened. Uh, and then the second thing I wanted to say is it's also a good time for healing rituals for me. So anything that would be connected to healing as we go into sort of the dark period, whether it's emotional healing, spiritual healing, mental healing for others. So you can also do healing prayers for other people. And I have recently started um, doing the White Tara mantra. I started doing it for my father and um, I've been doing, I did like a 40-day one for him because he was having an issue. And then I'm doing for a friend another 40-day practice, which is one of the, you know, little traditional amount of time you can do a mantra practice for yourself or others. And you do 40 days of that mantra with um, like one round of mala, which is 108 counts in the morning and one in the evening. So the minimum is what you're doing. And so White Tara is... Uh, specifically associated with helping with illness and giving people long life. And she's hugely popular with some of the great Tibetan Buddhist teachers. My own teacher, Kempo Karta Rinpoche, has a great story in his book about White Tara, how it saved his life. He he went into, um, he, he thought from... Early on, he thought as a young child that he would die at 60. He says he doesn't know why he thought that. And he just always thought he'd never live you know, beyond that. And sure enough, right around that time, he got extremely ill. And he was um, told, I think he was, I, I can't remember all the details of the story, but basically I think he was um, told to do this white tar retreat. And he wasn't, they didn't say he would survive or not. And he was sort of feeling like, you know, if he died or, you know, it would be all right because he'd be in retreat. Um, but he completely recovered. He got very sick, though, I think, when he was doing the practice and uh, when he was in retreat. And I forget how long it was. I don't think it was a really long one. It wasn't like a three-year retreat. Uh, and he got very sick, and then he suddenly got better. And he lived to be in his 90s. And so he completely credits having done that and also coming to the United States, which is what um, the Karmapa told him to come to the U.S. for the, the medicine here. So uh, that and then there's a, another woman who actually um, sponsored the book, the, the White Tara book that Kempo Karta Rinpoche um, is the teacher of. And she also recovered from cancer um, because of this connection to the White Tara. So what you can do is um, her mantra, anyone can do her mantra. You can find uh, a lot of versions of the mantra on YouTube that are really nice. 
Um, so basically the white Tara mantra, it builds on the green Tara mantra. So the green Tara is Om Tara, Tutara, Tura, Soha. And, and with the white Tara, it's Om Tara, Tutara, Tura, Mama, Ayu, Punye, Janya, Putram, Kuru, Soha. And I know my pronunciation is a little bit weak, so you definitely want to go and listen to some of the Tibetan pronunciation. And basically, if you're doing the mantra for yourself, then the word Mama means me. And if you want to, though it's not essential, you can put the person's name, substitute for Mama, you can put the person's name right there. And then the rest of the, the mantra is uh, basically building on the meaning of Om Tara Tutara Ture. And that one, that one has a lot in it. So when you go, when I've, I've studied, you know, the interpretation of Om Tara Tutara Ture Soha, and it, it basically, there's different slightly different version. So I'm going to give you um, the one by Lama Zopa. And he says that Om represents Tara's holy body, speech and mind. Tara means, Tari means liberating from true suffering. Tutari means liberation from the eight fears. And that's a whole other topic, which I may do at some point, both the external and the internal fears. And then Ture is liberating from the ignorance of the absolute nature of the I. It shows the true cessation of suffering. So that's from uh, Tara the Liberator by Lama Zopa Rinpoche. And um, Soha means, which is really kind of cool, it's it may the meaning of the mantra take root in my mind. So it wants to really stay there. And then there's, there's levels of interpretation of it. And, and basically Tara is, is the swift mother who will liberate you and she will also take you ferry you across samsara so she is one of the the great things about any of the taras is she answers your call quickly and she you don't have to do a whole lot i i think devotion sincerity is enough and then with the adding the other um uh, syllables ayu means life punya merit jana is wisdom and puktram kuru is increase and so that is basically the substance of the mantra for white Tara. And so um, to me, I, I, I just do, I've been doing just a simple practice, one in the morning and one in the evening. I've started to do the puja, a short puja by Jamgun Kantro Rinpoche. And uh, most teachers uh, will say that it's better to get the empowerment or the lung to do the pujas but they also say if you're doing a front visualization of a deity that that's okay. It's for whatever reason, you're not supposed to do self visualization without the transmission, which I, I haven't asked a teacher, but that's what I've heard from two different teachers. So you can do a, a form of visualization with the white Tara. And there's some very, there's a lot, a lot out there that you can find. I'm, I'm starting to collect some of the text and some of them are just only like a page. Some of them are much longer, um, but you can on, honestly just do the mantra and it's going to be sufficient. So those are, you know, basically, um, I guess those are the main three things I'm sort of recommending for this time of year. We've got the, the two protection spells and then we have the mantras. Um, I would say the other thing you can do if you feel like you can't sit down and do, you know, like one in the morning, one in the evening. And by the way, it doesn't, it's nice if you can do it at the same time. But honestly, 
just do it. Do it if even if one day I ended up doing my morning one at five o'clock in the afternoon, I just couldn't get to it. But there is another uh, version where it's a 21 day practice with the mantras where you just say it as much as possible all day long and you don't have to say it out loud. I like to at least murmur it because it. I like sounding. I love how it feels when you vocalize with the mantra. You say it all the time, morning, evening, and then you don't have to count it. So that's another way that you can do mantra practice for yourself and somebody else. Um, and then, like I said, the, this one, it, I put up a little, I don't know, a little note about white tar, and it just seemed like people really related uh, to it and really uh, wanted to know a little bit more about it. So perhaps in the future, I will do a little bit more on my experience with white tar because I am by no means a teacher at all. But I think it's important that we share our experiences as we go along because it might be something I learned that I can share with you that will help you along the way with your own mantra practice. And uh, and don't worry also, I find if your pronunciation is not great, it'll get better. You'll find that, you know, the right, you know, pronunciation. And I still make mistakes when I'm doing it every day. It's just the nature of the beast. So I think that will basically conclude what I wanted to say. Uh, remember, Michael and I both do readings. You can book us at our website, mysticraven.net. And I will be... Um, Look out for some specials I'm going to have in January for only the month of January. So uh, thank you for tuning in today. Join us next time as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together. And I hope you have a magical and momentous Scorpio period. <laughs>